1: There's a lot of talk amongst PTA, PTO, and school group leaders about partnering with local businesses for fundraising or just community partnerships. I know we see a lot of real estate agencies and restaurants around our school supporting the school, even sporting goods stores during athletic seasons. These are invaluable partnerships. But what if your PTA is looking to expand beyond those usual suspects? Our guest today will talk about how to connect with your local Rotary Club or similar equivalents in your community to form a meaningful partnership. Welcome, Travis. Thanks so much for being here today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background?
2: Hey, thanks to Bora and Wes. Thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, I host the Nonprofit Architect podcast, and we help small nonprofits get their next $30,000 in donations. We do that largely by interviewing nonprofit leaders, business leaders, consultants, and people with the special skills to help you. Really launch your nonprofit forward. I've been in the space for a couple of years, served on a couple of boards, raised a half a million bucks, and really started the podcast while I was deployed to Bahrain. So glad to be back in the States, having these great conversations. And it's great to connect with you all.
1: It sounds like fundraising is right up your alley. And I know in our initial conversations, I was fascinated by the discussion about rotary clubs. I feel like, you know, I often drive by, see the sign, wonder what's that? And then do nothing about it. (laughs) And based on our conversation, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Can you just start with like, what are Rotary Clubs? What is their main goal And, and the equivalents? Because they're not all titled Rotary Clubs.
2: Right. So what we're talking about is service organizations what might that look like in your community? A lot of small towns have this billboard when you walk in and it has the name of the town. Then it has all these different logos. It's got Rotary Club and Kiwanis, Eagles and Masons and, you know, pick your animal, pick your flavor. At least all these service clubs are. And what they are largely is people in the community that care, either just random citizens or business owners that want to provide some impact. So if you're looking to partner with people that care about you and what you're trying to do, these rooms are full of them. So if you go into the Rotary Club and generally speaking, a Rotary Club, first of all, Rotary Club's international. When I was in Bahrain, there was a Rotary Club at the hotel I was at. Um, so they're all over the world. They're, they're partnering with organizations and, and doing different things all over the world. My local one here in South Oklahoma City partnered with a Japanese school to bring kids to the U.S. to give them the experience of, of what you know, U.S. kids deal with and what their schools look like and different things. Rotary clubs seem to pick a mission every year of something that they want to accomplish, whether it's getting more kids into the library or connecting with schools or just whatever, whatever the flavor of the week is. But you don't know unless you go and find out and you ask and you can look up your local Rotary club and find one that's active. And almost always they'll invite you to come and be their guest or they'll invite you to come in and speak. And what a great way to get in front of a bunch of people that care about the community and want to do something to better everyone around them.
3: And you just actually answered my next question is the mission. And it's, it's interesting to hear that every one of them are so unique and different and that they kind of pick their own charge, which is cool to see. So, you know, you're not getting the same organization and they're not looking for the same person that various people have opportunities to partner with the Rotary Club. And I'm, I'm really curious, how did you first stumble upon a, a partnership with the Rotary Club and what's your experience working with them?
2: You know, when I got stationed here in Oklahoma City, and I had been here for a, a few years. I wasn't I wasn't really sure what it was like to be part of a community. I, you know, growing up, I moved 36 times, went to 12 different schools, was in six states, five different foster homes. I survived two murder attempts and I didn't even know what home was. Right. I wasn't wasn't sure what this looked like. And by the time I got settled down here in Oklahoma City, I've been fortunate enough to have been stationed here for 18 years of my career, which is just mind boggling, especially knowing that I'm in the Navy and not in the Air Force. Um, I didn't know what community it was. I don't like. I felt like I was home, but I wasn't sure how to get connected. And I asked some questions around like, what do people in communities do? Well, they, they give money, they serve on boards, they donate money, they volunteer. And I got connected to a little networking group. And the people I sat down and talked to, not only were in this networking group, but most of them were in some kind of other service organization. And they loved hearing me and my story and the things that I was doing. And I got invited to be a guest And the next time I got invited back to come and speak about some of my different experiences and uh, how I got this book published coming from my background. And all I found in there was wonderful people, most of which were in business that were wanting to do great and amazing things for people that they got connected with.
1: That's pretty amazing. Both your personal story, as well as the partnership that you stumbled upon there in your seeking out a community. Um, I love, by the way, that you did that, that you asked the question of how do I become more part of this community? Because I think people often want those connections, but don't necessarily ask that question. They're too shy to ask. So kudos to you for asking that question and and finding this niche. I know you work with a lot of nonprofits. And so in your experience, what kinds of partnerships have you seen between nonprofits and these types of service organizations?
2: So I've seen partnerships directly with an organization where they both have this same mission. So I know we're talking to uh, nonprofits and, and school administrators. And if we're trying to better the community through schools, you might be able to create a partnership for like sporting organizations with clothing or someone else that cares about education or someone else that wants to fund scholarships moving forward. You might find that speaking at an organization like the Rotary Club, you're going to find someone in there that has a business or a similar mission or comes from that background where they care about the same things that you do. Uh, and you won't know until you go and actually talk to these people. And I know a lot of areas are doing this virtually. They're still bringing in speakers each and every week. I know our Rotary Club is, I got to go speak since I've been back from Bahrain and, and others are doing virtual across the country. So what a great way to connect with people over a lunch hour or you know whatever scheduled time you have to get in and talk about what it is that you do and give them the chance to wanna to partner with you to see what can what can come of that. And I know a lot of people in networking groups are like, you just go in and you say things like, hey, I'm Travis, buy my stuff. And that's not uh, really as helpful as we'd like it to be, but it turns out when you go to these places and you just have the intention of going and providing value and talking about the great things you're doing and then actually listening to what they have to say, you're gonna find a lot of commonality, a lot of different ways that you can work together and maybe that's going to be uh, partnering to co-sponsor an event where you're doing some community building and raising awareness. Maybe you're going to find people that, uh, that really have some connections and they want to you know, talk their friends into opening their checkbooks for you because they care about things that you care about. Maybe you find that it's just a connection piece and uh, like, hey, you really need to talk to Bill over you know, at Cox Communications because I know he's got a little pet project talking about the same thing that you care about. And when you can borrow and leverage someone's time, talent and treasure because you both care about the same things, you'll find that there's opportunities all over the place.
1: I know that our local Rotary Club here partnered with the Boy Scouts on a day of service. And so that's an example of a nonprofit partnership with the Rotary Club in our local community um, not a financial partnership, but just a coming together partnership, meeting local people again, to your point. Some of those people are part of local businesses that may then sponsor a, a PTA event or you know give funds to the school. And so there are different ways of partnering that are not necessarily just immediately financial, but also in projects and in like-minded activities,
2: oh, absolutely. And you know if if you have this great mission and you're doing wonderful things, but no one knows who you are, you're gonna find yourself not being supported in the way that you want to. And it's not that you don't have a great mission, but if I don't know who you are, I can't give you money. If I don't know what you need, I can't make that connection. And if I don't know where you're going, I can't help you get there. And a lot of people that I talk to, especially in the nonprofit space, you get to this place of 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 some frustration, right? They're like, I'm not being supported the way that I want to. And then someone comes along, like me, for instance, and says, Well, have you tried telling them how you would like to be supported? And they're like, what do you mean? did you tell your board you would like them to share every post that you make in your group? Well, no, but they should know. They should know based on what? If they're mind readers, chances are they're not on your board of directors. <laughs> if they're mind readers, chances are they're not volunteering for you. If they're mind readers, they're making some a ridiculous amount of money somewhere else doing something, you know, maybe uh, maybe a little bit different. Uh, you don't have mind readers working for you. If I don't know what my boss wants, I can't give it to him. If he hasn't set expectations. I can't meet them. And if he doesn't tell me what my lane is, where I can succeed, I don't know if I'm in his lane or outside the lane. I, I need to know what those expectations are.
1: Yeah, one of the simplest pieces of fundraising advice that we give leaders is just ask, right? I mean, people don't know what your goal is, what you're going for, how much. Sometimes people think $25 or $5 is meaningless, and so they don't do it. So if you just make the ask and share that information, you'll be surprised at how great a response you get.
2: One of our biggest successes that we have is in the realm of micro donations. Most people don't care about a $20 donation. And there's really micro is really like three, six or $9. Uh, we've got interviews with people like Stephen Kuhn, who has started three nonprofits and they get hundreds of thousands of people to sign up at three, four, $5 a month. And when you get a hundred thousand people at five bucks a month, well, it doesn't matter if you lose a thousand donors because you're still making plenty of money to meet your mission. What we do and we've done successfully over the past couple of years is doing something like offering a free T-shirt in exchange for 20 bucks a month. People don't understand that $20 a month can make an impact. Now, hey, they can be fashionable and help support your cause and look great while doing it. Well, why the heck not? Oh, people are like, well, I don't know if people are going to do that. Look, you just give them the offer. You give them a chance to support you at whatever level they're comfortable with. If you only take $10,000 supporters, well, you might miss 10,000 people that are willing to give you $1,000 or you might miss 100,000 people willing to give you $5. If you don't have the different offers at the different levels, people don't think that they're important or valuable to your mission when in fact they are.
3: There sounds like there's many ways to partner, whether it's service or asking for dollars directly or even partnerships. There's plenty of opportunities for our PTAs and PTOs and schools to go out and and just ask and make a connection. And, And with that, Are there any recommendations of how to make that connection? How should they approach the Rotary Club and what are the best ways or who is the best contact to to reach out to at the Rotary Club?
2: Uh, Every Rotary Club should have their own published website and you can reach out to the president. This is what they do. The whole goal of any service organization is to be of service and be part of the community. And if they don't know you exist, they can't partner with you. If they don't know that your missions align, they can't partner with you reach out, introduce yourself. Uh, it might sound something like, hi, my name is Travis. I host a nonprofit architect. This is my mission. What, what do you do? And then you shut up and listen, <laughs> let them share. Uh, we call this active listening or caring about other people and give them the attention they need and figure out what it is that they're doing and see if there's a way you can help them. Now, the way to help might uh, be a connection that you can make with someone else. The way you can help might be sharing their stuff, the way that you can help might eventually be a partnership deal. But if you don't go out and and actually meet the people, you're not going to be able to make any connections. You're not going to know what they need or what you can provide.
3: You bring up a really good point of going and learning. I think that's super important because don't expect to, to come away with something in the first meeting get to the point of understanding of exactly what you're both trying to gain out of or what you both have to offer and see if there's a way to build a partnership from there. So that's really good, valuable information.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. It, it really becomes from a place of, of being intentional. You can control your intentions. And if your intention is to go in, listen and provide value, then the expectations are going to be far greater than you ever would have suggested. But if you go in there with an expectation like, I'm going into this meeting and I'm coming out with $500, chances are you're not going to get it and you're going to be really disappointed. But if you go in with the intention, which is what you can control, you'd be surprised with what comes out of those fruitful relationships.
1: Let's say you do just go in and attend a meeting. Um, I mean, you mentioned speaking at a meeting, so it sounds like there might be speakers, but give us a lay of the land of what that meeting might look like and what should a, a person come prepared with at that meeting? Like, is it just their elevator pitch? Is it something more like how to get ready for that first meeting?
2: Uh, I tell you what, I I deal with networking all the time. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about. I don't use business cards. If we're going to connect, I'm going to connect where you want to connect with. If it's on social media, let's connect on social media. If you prefer email, let's let's exchange emails. If I give you a business card, I mean, how many people actually follow up with those things? I know I do, but most people don't. They have the. They come home from a networking meeting. They have a stack of business cards. They go in a drawer. And nothing ever happens. So when I encourage people to go do these things, go in and know what your mission is. Know what the heck you do, right? If you are a veteran organization and you're helping people with PTSD or whatever the thing is, and someone says, hey, what do you do? You should be able to say that we provide veterans and first responders connections to services. And if they can't afford those services, we will pay for it or we'll provide transportation to get them there. And then also we have a veteran Group that works with each other on a daily basis is a more in-person and informal thing. Know what the heck it is that you do. So when people ask you, you have an answer for them. And know that when they say, Well, what's the best way for me to support you? Have an answer for that. If you need volunteers. So you know what? We're really we have this event coming up. We really need volunteers. And I love it if you know somebody or if you'd be interested in volunteering. If you need cash, money, if you need donations, be like, you know, we're really trying to build our monthly recurring donor base. And we really want to make sure that we're able to plan each and every month purposefully and not have to worry about uh, small donations. So we're trying to you know, get 25 people on board at $10 a month, $100 a month, $50 a month. Give them that ask. Know that they know if you're in a nonprofit or if you're part of an association that you have needs and it's okay to tell them what your needs are. You want them to know how they can be involved and how they can share and help you build what you're doing.
1: And what kind of follow-up should you expect to have after this meeting? I mean, is it following up with individuals or is it coming back to future meetings and becoming a more active member or a combination thereof?
2: Well, that's really up to you. And that's a, that's a great question. Now, when you go to these meetings and you are the guest, uh, you're, the person sponsoring, you should show you around, introduce you to people and make connections and you're going to find ones that make more sense than other ones. And, uh, you know, just how we make friends in general, right? Being nice and and introducing people by your name and calling them names, looking them in the eye and all those fun things. And then figure out, be like, you know, what's a way we could work together? Come away with some kind of plan of action. Come up with some kind of follow-up, whether it's on social media. And if you say you're going to deliver something, actually deliver it. Like, hey, after this meeting, I'm going to send you a follow-up email. Please check this out and tell me if you think this is interesting. And then actually do it send them the email, send them the Facebook request, send them the message on LinkedIn, whatever the thing is, make sure you have a plan to follow up with them, that you have something to ask of them if they ask. And if not, just prepare to meet a lot of great people and provide value without expectation.
3: So you've given us a lot of good tips and ways to reach out to Rotary Clubs and I mean, basically just generally networking, which has been super helpful. I know you probably have a few other hidden gems in your experience of fundraising and making connections. Do you have any other suggestions that you think is kind of a hidden gem for schools who aren't necessarily active and and want to become more active in building community or fundraising or building partnerships?
2: Man, that's a great question, Wes. I have two things that I want to point out to you. Most people want to get behind the mission and they want to have some kind of experience. We're, We're kind of missing... Uh, In the last couple of years, the experience of really getting involved with what it is—I talked to a nonprofit in Wisconsin, and they do cycling and some different things. They wanted to get Trek involved, which is you know makes sense—they create bikes, they care about the outdoor experience. But what they did is they brought in people from the organization from Trek and got them involved in the events they were doing. Not only is it—it's one thing to give your money, right, and say you support a cause. It's another thing to get them out there. Get them out with the people that you're trying to help. Get them out with people you're trying to work with. So in this case, they have people from Trek in Wisconsin going out in each and every event, riding their cycles next to other people riding their cycles. Everyone's getting this shared experience and they're really involved in the experience. So create an experience, create a, a way to get people involved and actually interact with whatever services that you are providing. If you're dealing with kids and you have like a carnival at the school, make sure the donors are there. And they're doing the face painting. They're seeing their dollars in work. They're seeing the smiles on the kids' faces. They're getting that shared experience. So they're coming away with that good feels that everyone likes to have. Not just that the dollars went down and the organization says they're doing something. But give them that, that experience. Let them partner with you with what you're doing. And second of all, don't have every single event you do just be a fundraiser. There's nothing wrong with having friend raisers and bringing people out and not asking them for any stinking money. And just saying, this is what we do and this is a community building event and we want other people to get involved. Invite and partner with other nonprofits that care about the community. Bring everyone together. Showcase what it is that you're doing and just give back. If you're building community, does the community know that you're doing it?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great point. You know, we, we talk a lot about uh, fundraising and PTAs and PTOs do generally. But if you look at their mission statements, their mission statements are actually about child advocacy, right? It doesn't say fundraising in the mission statement. It is about supporting the children in the school and providing broad educational experiences for those children. Those broad educational experiences can include partnerships with other members of the community, right? And should include that to your earlier point, looking back on your life story, you know, building a community in all those different places you lived, I'm sure the school was a part of that, right? Um, you went to different schools, but each time you connected with the people in those schools, and I know we've moved around a, a bunch recently, and I definitely feel like the school has provided that community. And so creating those types of community connections is really important. I think you've given us some awesome advice today. I, I would say, you know, first look for those service organizations. They might have different names, but check the welcome to town sign um, because you're right. You do see those logos there and that might be a good place to start, but certainly Google can also be your friend there. Go in to those meetings, listen and learn. Use your active listening, use your networking skills and just get educated. When you go, though, be prepared with your mission and goals. Know your ask. Are you looking for volunteers, one time or monthly donations, an event? Seeking out those ways to connect, but also knowing what your ask is, is really important. Walk away with a plan of action, a couple of follow-up items that you actually execute on later. And keep in mind that experiences and that creating that connection in the community are really meaningful and what people look forward to. Not everything has to be focused on fundraising. So we really appreciate your time, Travis. Uh, Let us know where can people find you if they want more information?
2: I'm on all the social media. Just search for Nonprofit Architect. I'm at nonprofitarchitect.org. You can email me at nonprofitarchitect at gmail.com. And if you're not listening to the podcast and you're in this space, you should. We give you the actionable how-to steps of doing whatever the thing is better, whether it's grant writing, getting the Google ad grant, creating and making partnerships and sponsorships. Uh, We even got people in there that teach you how to contact celebrities. We had Vincent James from Keep Music Alive shows you the email template he uses to contact celebrities like Julie Andrews, Sarah McLaughlin, and Jack Black, and get them to come on and do a promo for their cause. So if you're not spending time learning how to do this stuff better, you're just cheating yourself and the people that you're trying to learn, trying to help. And the podcast is free. So check it out.
1: Thank you very much. We appreciate your time today. And this was really great advice.
0: This show has been brought to you by K-12 Clothing. K-12 Clothing is a PTA dad-created business focused on providing high-quality school apparel while increasing access to educational resources through fundraising in schools. Learn more at k12clothing.com. Make sure to visit our website at themultipurposeroom.school to subscribe to this show. If you like the topics on this show, we share additional resources on our company blog at k12clothing.com and click on blog. Thanks to Squad Locker for making this show possible. And we'll see you next week in the Multipurpose Room.